You are now listening to the Life Defined Podcast, the show where we discuss the life-defining moments that we all go through that oftentimes makes us or breaks us. On this show, we always like to remind you that you might be going through all types of hell right now, but glory is on the way. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey, 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 what's up, good people? Here we are once again for a brand new episode of the Life Defined Podcast. I think you guys are in for a treat today. Um, I've got a special guest with us, and we're going to have a great conversation that I'm sure is going to impact you all's lives as you hear um, all the different topics that we'll cover in today's conversation. So please join me in welcoming our next guest, Mrs. Heaven Neal. Hey, hey, hey. That's the round of applause. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So Heaven, thank you for being on the show with us today. Thank you you for having me. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be here. So for those who may not know you, um, just give us an introduction about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Wow, that's a pretty broad question. It is. Um, (laughs) I do a lot. So I am a singer. I am an entrepreneur. I'm a mom, daughter, sister, best friend. I'm a little bit of everything. I like to call myself a renaissance woman. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so... You mentioned you're an entrepreneur. Let's start there. Before you became an entrepreneur, what were you doing full-time? So full-time, I was a respiratory therapist um, at a local hospital here in Maryland. I had been there for about 10 years. I actually went there for an internship or a clinical, I should say, in my final year of college. And they hired me two days after graduation. So it's kind of- a beautiful thing. It was. (laughs) It really was. We ain't all got that story. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it was. It was really, really a blessing. I'd already cultivated, you know, some relationships there. So, um, the manager at the time, she offered me a position, like kind of like right then and there. And of course, we had to just wait until I was officially a graduate for it to actually happen. But it was. It was a blessing, and that was. I mean, it was so on time. I had never seen that kind of money, what, what I thought was a lot of money back then before. So it was really awesome. And I stayed there. The entire, my entire tenure was there in healthcare. Wow, that's, that's, that's a blessing. Yeah. Uh, so you were there for 10 years and then you decided to make this leap and build your own business. So what was the transition like? in deciding to leave your full-time job to become an entrepreneur? It was difficult. Like, did you just put in two weeks and say, I'm out? No, absolutely not. I actually resorted to doing that. That wasn't something that I planned to do. I had just had my son. This was 2018. Um, I just had my second son. And I was having a lot of postpartum issues. I was having a lot of anxiety issues um, when it came to returning back to work. Throughout my eight-week you know, postpartum period, I was like dreading this, like, oh my God, I got to go back to work eventually. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And although I'm only 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes away 
from the job, it was still very difficult um, to even imagine being away from my son for 12 and 14 hours a day. I just couldn't do it. And ironically enough, like I was scheduled to go back on a Friday. It was in June. It was the end of June. And I was scheduled to go back on a Friday. That Monday, my husband and I were discussing our schedules, how we would maneuver, you know, our transition with going back to work and things of that nature. And just having the conversation about our schedules made me have my very first panic attack. Mm. And my husband said, okay, this is not all right. This is not normal. And I think you should consider resigning. And I thought about it. I prayed about it. It was a hard decision because it become my family. You know, they were there for me in some very, very difficult times in that whole 10 year period of me being there. And I grown so much as a person and as a professional. And I, I, I knew we were already having some difficulties when it came to being short staffed and the hospital was totally like overly populated. And I felt like I was just leaving them or abandoning them. So it definitely was not an easy decision for me, but I had to do what was best for myself and for my family at the time. So reluctantly, I turned in my two weeks notice and, you know, we're here now. <laughs> okay. And what's it been like since? It's been an adjustment because I'm used to every two weeks getting paid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, that is the biggest adjustment, I think, is coming to grips with the fact that that two weeks that every two week paycheck is not guaranteed. That's not something that's coming, you know, consistently. And um, once I mentally wrapped my head around that, I just kind of had to do another mental transition of, okay, putting, I have to put certain things in motion so that I can consistently have a stream of income flowing consistently. So it made me tap into my creativity and really think about what it is that is my passion? What is it that I really, really care about? So I, it, it put me in a position to do a lot of soul searching, a lot of prayer, a lot of self-reflection, but it's been an awesome, an awesome experience. It's mm, good. So it kind of forced you to bring to life these passions and these visions and these dreams. Whereas right. if you were still working the full time, who knows if these things would have really come to fruition. I Absolutely. I'm, uh, I understand. Like, uh, I still got my two week paycheck and I, I know at some point the Lord wants me to leave my full-time job to pursue the passions and the visions and the dreams full time. Yeah. But that is a, a leap. I am not prepared to take just yet. But I understand. I will. <laughs> and I'll remember this conversation. And say, if heaven could do it, I can do it too. I mean, definitely, especially considering you have an amazing support system. Um, And that was one thing that really helped me to make that decision. If I were in a situation where I didn't have the love, support, you know, of a family and of, you know, the village that I have, 
I probably would not have made that decision. And it probably would have made me miserable because there is so much joy on this side. Not to say that there, it is always good times. Notice I said joy and not happiness. Talk about it. That's a Notice the difference. That's a distinction. Um, there's a very, very big difference in being joyful and, and being happy in something. Uh, because to me, if you're happy in something, it's conditional. Yep. Now, being having having joy, finding joy in what you do means that you will be willing to do it for free just because it gives you life. And I, had, I already had a side hustle when I left the hospital. So that side hustle was already in me as a passion. So when I did transition to working for myself, I just kind of wanted to expand that. And that's what I did. So if you're operating in your passion and you know that's where your joy is, all you really have to do is just trust God to, to do everything else. You know, we talk about having faith a lot. We talk about it a lot, especially us Christians. We're always talking about faith this and faith that. Oh, I love, you know, I love the Lord and, you know, all those good things. We talk about But when it. it's really time to put those things into action, we freeze up. And we don't really show God that we have the faith that we say we have. So I felt like this was an opportunity to not only grow as a person, but to mature in my spiritual walk as well. And I, and I feel like my relationship with God has definitely gotten a lot stronger. Okay. So along those lines, in talking about growing and maturing and evolving in life, I know... From experience, a lot of times it's those those rocky times in life, times in life when life just hits you that really does sort of make you grow and mature and evolve, even with the pain and the hardship that comes. Right. And I know for you, you've experienced some times of hardship and grief and, and pain. And I know one of those times in your life occurred around 2013. Mm-hmm. where life really just rocked you. And so mm-hmm. can you take us back to what took place in your life around 2013 that really just sort of rocked you, your world? Okay, so in my former life, I was previously married to another person and we had a son and my marriage at the time was in shambles, literally in pieces. And in the middle of that, my son passed away. Mm. So that is really what kind of knocked me off my feet. Um, Not necessarily the loss of the marriage, but losing my son just devastated my entire existence. And having to grieve that having to grieve the loss of the marriage as well. It was just a lot. <laughs> it, it was a lot to have to come to grips with. I'm assuming your husband at the time wasn't helpful in that grieving process. Absolutely not. You know, the irony of it is that, so my son passed away in 
in April. I had already separated from my then husband in February. So we were already separate at the time. At the point of the funeral, it was so awkward because we were totally separated. It was like his family was on one side of the church. My family was on the opposite side of the church. He didn't sit with me. I I almost feel as if it was more of a relief to him when the baby passed away. And I say that because I was the more present parent anyway. And because the baby had health complications, um, I think he felt more relieved. I'm not saying that he wasn't hurt, but I think he felt more like, whew, okay, all right, Mm. you know. So the baby had health issues, which led to his passing. Well, here's the thing. His health, okay, so he had a genetic deficiency that I am a carrier of. Um, Now, we didn't realize that until after he passed, but when he passed away, it was because he had pneumonia or RSV, which is a respiratory virus that small children get, babies up to the age of three can get it. And that particular season, the RSV condition was really, really prominent during that time. My son was not the only child that had succumbed to that condition, but because of his genetic issue, Um, His immune system was not strong enough to fight it the way a normal, healthier child would. On top of the fact that I can't help but to feel as if the hospital was not as aggressive with his care and his therapies that I feel like they should have been. They all knew that I was a therapist and I felt like they had that whole idea of, oh, she's the healthcare worker mom. She thinks she knows everything. And, you know, instead of just taking my advice, trying some of the therapies that I would have suggested, um, just to at least see if it would work. And I felt like I was trying to have a balance between being a mom and being a respiratory therapist of this patient who's also my child. And that to me was not my job. I'm not supposed to be an RT here. I'm supposed to be a mom right here. And I would give them suggestions and they only tried one. And the one suggestion that they did try actually worked. It was a, a medication combo, a little cocktail that I would try on my patients and it always worked. And I suggested that they try it. They did it one time and they actually said, this, you know, he really responded very well, you know, and I'm like, well, let's just, you know, incorporate this (laughs) every six hours in his care. And they did not do that. They literally only gave him that concoction one time. Mm. And at the point of him starting to get weaker and weaker, that particular day, he was sleeping the whole day. And it didn't make sense. Um, And I'm watching him and it's, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, he's been sleeping all day. I'm pretty sure his CO2 levels are way too high. And I suggested that they get some blood work done to test his CO2 level. They took forever to do that. And when they finally did, um, it was in the, it was in, it was in the seventies and it should not be any more than 
45. Mm. And that is the main side effect of that. That's one of the key factors of having an increased CO2 level is that you're just overly exhausted, overly sleepy. And so by the time they tested it, it was very, very high. And I said, okay, well, at this point, it's probably best that you guys just put him on a ventilator because it's nothing else that can be done aside from letting the vent work for him while his lungs rest and we bring down his CO2. They finally decided to do that. And in the middle of putting him on the ventilator, his heart stopped and they were unable to get him back. They coded him for about an hour and a half, two hours. And yeah. yeah. In, in what ways would you say that experience changed your life? It definitely, first and foremost, it changed my relationship with God initially. I felt as if God let me down. You know, I'm like, here I am in church every week. This, what I thought was a strong relationship with God. And I'm trusting that he's going to fix whatever is going on. I'm not even worried about it. Oh, he's going to be fine, you know, and all for that to not be the case. And I, I just felt that, like, how could you do this to me? You know, um, I just felt, I mean, let down and disappointed, mad, <laughs> everything. It was all just hitting me at once. I didn't go to church for a while. And when I did start to go back, I was very disconnected. It was just, it was difficult to kind of get back to being connected to my spirituality the way I was before. I mean, it took a couple of years, I would say. I can imagine. You know, and I've known friends that have lost children. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I can only imagine it, it, it rocks you in a way that nothing else can can touch you in that way and I know you know some of them may be listening to this conversation so how did the Lord kind of with your broken heart and with the all the emotions that you felt toward God the anger the disappointment the being let down how did that relationship get reconciled Mm. I came to the realization that God does all things well And although I don't understand everything that he does or allows to happen, I have to understand that that's a part of being a Christian. You know, people have the idea that because you give your life to Christ, everything is going to be peaches and cream. And it's not. That is a bigger opportunity for you to walk in his grace and really connect more to him and lean more to him you know, for understanding and things of that nature. I was trying to break down everything on my own and understand things in a, in a humanly logical way, not thinking about the fact that, you know, there's a divine purpose for everything. I mean, there's been multiple losses and he was the first baby that I had that passed away, but I've had miscarriages as well, you know, and although I felt like, those times could have sent me back into a downhill spiral. I refused to let it because over the course of the last few years, I have, you know, worked diligently with repairing my relationship with God, asking him for forgiveness for me turning my back on him and, 
you know, just asking for more understanding of things instead of just being upset and thinking about how things would have been if my son had actually stuck around, what kind of life would he have had? And these are some of the same things that I would, conversations I would have had with my patients, their families. You know, I've lost a lot of patients over the course of the years. I've said a lot of prayers with families. I've witnessed a whole lot of last breaths Mm. and I've had to say, I'm sorry, I couldn't help. I couldn't save, you know, your loved one. And I've had to let people know that if they were to actually stick around, what quality of life would they have had? You know, and then in my situation, not only what quality of life would he have had, but even myself, you know, with his dad, who, you know, we already weren't in a great place. I wasn't in a great place with his family. I'm sure it would have been a nasty custody battle and, you know, it would have been ugly all the way around the board. So I have to just trust that God mm. had my best interests at heart at the end of the day, you know, and be grateful. And the irony of it is my second son with my new husband, well, he's not new anymore, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, he was actually born on the same date that my oldest son passed away. Yeah. So that is just a testament of what God does, you know, because every year we would dread April 2nd. April 2nd ah. was like doomsday for my family. It would, I mean, even leading up to April 2nd, like the, like the middle of March, it would start to hit all of us, you know, and it would be hard to kind of snap out of it, you know, and then... Because it's a I reminder run, every year. Every year. And on top of, you know, of course, his birthday in September, you know... I mean, because it was like April was when he died. And then here comes May, Mother's Day. So Mother's Day would come and I'm like in a corner somewhere ready to like off myself, you know. Um, And it's so interesting because when I was pregnant with Pam, my my baby now, I wasn't even expecting to have him during that time. We hadn't done anything with his nursery. You know, I was only 36 weeks um, when my doctor was, you know, we were actually having a conversation and well, oh gosh. So this is a whole nother story. So the doctor that delivered my oldest son later ended up working at the same hospital that I worked at. Hmm. So I happened to see her in the hallway and we were chatting, you know, and I'm pregnant with my, you know, with my son now. So she's like, so when is your C-section scheduled? And I said, I'm not having a C-section with this baby. You know, we're going to have him naturally, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, ma'am, you're not. (laughs) I said, excuse me? And she's like, remember I told you when you had AJ that you can't have a natural birth. And I'm like, So she delivered your first baby? Yeah, she delivered him. Okay. um, At Anne Arundel. And then she later came to work at Southern Maryland. So she remembered that I'm not supposed to carry a baby longer than 37 weeks. So she's like, I told you, I told your mom, like you can't carry a baby past 37 weeks and this and that. And I'm like, I don't remember you telling me that. (laughs) So she's like, no, we need to call your doctor right now. So she starts calling my current OBGYN and she's like, let me give you heaven's rundown. She told me, she told the doctor everything. That was a Wednesday. They scheduled my C-section the following 
Tuesday, which just so happened to be AJ's the same day that he died. <laughs> so I'm like, that was nothing but God because wow. I don't even remember being told that. You know, she was explaining to me that when they delivered my oldest son, because he was so small, he was underweight when he was born. So he never actually dropped further down into my birth canal the way a baby normally would. So they had to do the incision higher than they normally would. So that area is very sensitive. So if I were to stay pregnant longer than 37, 38 weeks, I'm risking bleeding, Mm. loss of my life, loss of the baby's life, everything. And we had no idea. We were happy-go-lucky, just waiting around for my water to break. (laughs) So you bumped into the doctor in the hallway. I mean, it was... There is a God! (laughs) I'm telling you, if if I ever questioned anything about God, there's a God. That definitely opened my eyes there. So it was crazy because, like, my family came over and we had to hurry up that weekend and get the nursery together. And (laughs) it was... It was crazy. It was. But that's nice. That's one of those like little reminders. Yeah. Like throws in there like. Mm Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, Okay. Dang, that's a. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, so what were some of the things that helped you get through that season? Were there were there books that helped you? Were there conversations that you had? Was there something people said that really helped you? Was there counseling? What were some of the things that really helped you during that season? Um, To be very honest with you, I did not take advantage of counseling. It was offered to me on multiple occasions, but I don't know if it was just my fear of counseling or therapy, but I did not go through with that. My mom actually did. Again, like my mom was totally devastated. So she had to go through counseling. I did not, I did not have any books, any, really any other encouragement. It really just put me in a space where it was just me and God. And I think that time was necessary Mm. to actually cultivate what I thought was a good relationship. But I had also never experienced any hardships prior to that. You know, I come you know, I, we did, I, I didn't have a silver spoon growing up, don't get me wrong, but I never really knew struggle. I never knew real pain um, until that situation happened. So I think my fear when it came to counseling was I felt like my emotions were up and down. One day I'm okay, next day I'm in a corner ready to off myself. But it was like those days when I was good, I wanted to stay good. And I felt that if I were to have to talk to somebody about it, it would just bring up the bad feelings that I don't want to feel today. (laughs) Um, It's like having a good moment and then all of a sudden it just drops to now a bad moment. And I can never tell how I'm going to get out of it or how long it's going to last. You know, so when I had good days, I wanted those good days to last. And I was just scared to do any sort of therapies or 
talk to anybody aside from, you know, my family. Um, but what did actually help me was playing in makeup, to be honest with you. That was actually the very beginning of um, my first business when I started doing makeup on the side. Um, I was doing it for free. I just, it was weird because my cousin who was older, much older, in her 50s, came to me because she was going to an event and she said, can you do my makeup for me? And I'm like, I don't do makeup. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And she was like, just do something, just put something on me, you know? So I just used whatever products I had at home and kind of dogged her up a bit. And after that, people started calling me saying, I saw your cousin Barbara's makeup and she says you did it. And, you know, I want to know if you can do mine. And I'm like, I'm not a professional makeup person, so um, I, don't, I don't know. And I did for some months. I just asked for tips. And then when it started to get a little pricey, um, when I had to buy, products. like, oh, yeah. I mean, because I had to buy several brushes and different shades of makeup and, you know, the whole spill. So it started to get pricey. So I started to charge and kind of started to make it a thing um, on the side. But... For that moment of putting makeup on someone, it was like I was totally focused on just that. I didn't think about my son. I didn't think about the chaos happening. I didn't think about anything but just that moment. And that was what gave me a sense of like peace, you know, and tranquility because I wasn't thinking about what was going on around me. So I started doing it all the time. I was doing it on myself and mommy, come here. Let me, <laughs> you know, it's like everybody that would let me, I would just play around with them, you know? And then I found myself on YouTube 24 seven. Like I would have to be at work at 7am and I'm on YouTube until 4am studying stuff. And, you know, I just got really caught up in it, the business side of it and the artistry side of it. So that's where I realized, okay, like, I think this might be an actual thing for me. On top of the fact that I was always into playing with makeup when I was a little girl. So it kind of just brought those feelings back. So I think that was kind of what made me feel good again. That's good. Okay. Now, so what would be your, if you were to give advice to someone else who's experienced a similar loss, what would be, what would you say to them? Hmm. However you're feeling, just feel it. You know, don't try to put on a front or put on a happy face or just kind of breeze through. And don't tell yourself, uh, I, I'll have more kids. I've heard that a lot. You have to accept what is happening in a, in a certain headspace where you're actually ready to grieve the situation because what will happen is if you don't you won't find any sort of joy in anything else moving forward hmm. because you haven't completely closed that chapter not that it'll ever really be closed I still have my moments to this day I had a moment today um, about my son because he is my screensaver on my laptop and I was looking at his picture and I'm just like, oh, you're so cute, you know. And in the middle of me doing that, the screen timed out. Mm. 
And that made me feel like that took me back to when he died, you know, because as much as I was loving on him and enjoying my time as a new mom, he was only six months old at the time of his passing. So I felt like my time was cut totally short. Just like that moment of me blowing kisses to his to his picture and the screen timed out and I wasn't ready. But situations will come up that will bring you back to those scary moments. And if you're not in a mental space where you can acknowledge it, accept it, and be willing to move forward, then it's going to be difficult in anything that you're trying to do. So I would just tell anyone and everyone to just trust God, trust what his, his timing. I know it's difficult and I know it's easier said than done. Um, but just go through the motions, allow yourself to feel sad, allow yourself to be mad, allow yourself to be, you know, disappointed, you know, because at the end of the day, God knows us, he made us. So it's okay to say, God, why did you let this happen? Why did you do this? You know, people say, don't question God. No, I don't, I don't agree Bible. with that. David questioned that <laughs> a lot. David had a lot of questions. But you know, that's, that's what the senior okay saints tell us. That's what the senior saints tell us, you know, and I totally disagree with that. And in those moments of it being just you and God, he's going to reveal those things to you. He's going to let you know why things happened a certain way, you know, and he's also going to prepare you for those things. Even now I'm expecting another baby, you know, now, and a part of me is petrified. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, a part of me is petrified. And another part of me says, you know what? I can go through whatever happens. You know, my doctor actually is suggesting that I have an amniocentesis to determine if this baby has the same genetic issues that my son had. But with having an amniocentesis comes risk factors. Um, one of which the biggest, mean, the biggest risk factor of all is that I could lose the pregnancy. And that's just not a risk I'm willing to take, especially if <laughs> there's nothing you can do until after he's born anyway. Mm. So I'm just going to trust God to handle whatever happens. If the baby is born with the same genetic issues, then God is going to equip us with what we need physically, mentally, you know, and spiritually to handle those things. So I don't know. I would just tell anybody to just face what you're feeling. Don't try to deny it or cover it up. Just embrace those things. It's going to be ups and downs, but God is going to carry you through it. Good, good stuff. So as we bring this conversation to a close today, is there any, you know, sort of last words that you'd want to share before we close out? Mm, I would tell everybody to tap into your passion, whatever that may be. I don't care if it's knitting sweaters. I don't care if it's dancing. I don't care if it's writing because those things are going to give you a sense of therapy. And the Bible will, the Bible does say your gift will make room for you. So, I mean, in my personal opinion, there's a way to capitalize or monetize whatever. And as long as you trust him, you can start small and just take it day by day. I don't suggest anybody just quit their job or anything like that to jump in head first, but to just embrace whatever your passion is, whatever you feel like your true calling is and trust God enough to actually walk in it. 
walk in the faith that you say you have and show him that you trust him. And I guarantee he'll bless you. He'll bless your efforts. Speaking of passions, so go ahead and sort of plug the things that you do, <laughs> the things that people can, you know, actually find you and buy your merchandise and whatnot. So where can people find you on social media and what do you do that people can support? Okay. So my makeup business is called Heavenly Faces Makeup and Skincare. And on Instagram, we are Heavenly Faces Artistry. On Facebook, we're Heavenly Faces Makeup and Skincare as well. Um, and I also have a makeup line called the Angel Eyes Collection. And the website is heavenlyfacesartistry.com. And it's mainly a brow line. Like I have brow pencils, um, brow powders, gels, um, a serum for your brows and lashes. Like when you go to the, the nail salon and they wax off a little bit too much. <laughs> I have a serum that you can use to help to facilitate hair growth again and things like that. So I have a pretty cool uh, product line and I'm working very diligently to get it on shelves. I've had several meetings over the last few weeks with different beauty supply stores in the area. So we're working very hard to get that, those products on shelves. And after I left the hospital, I actually started my own respiratory consulting practice. So I do CPR classes. I work with folks who have asthma and COPD. I do a lot of in-services and education. I help people to quit smoking, things like that. Emergency preparedness protocols, things of that nature. Um, and that is Capital Integrative Medical Consulting. And I also have a financial services business uh, as a franchise of a pretty huge parent company. And that is Keystone Financial Group. And I'm I help- Multiple streams. Well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm trying to keep them streaming. You, you got to. I mean, at this point, it's like it's a necessity to have yeah. multiple streams of income. So you got them. You know, um, but here's the thing: financial services is an industry that will never die. That is some longevity there. So, um, I was licensed to provide life insurance um, in 2019. So. That is the main service that I provide, but I also do financial needs analysis where I'll come and determine different things that you'll need for uh, protecting your family in the future. I do a lot of financial education. Yeah, I'm a little all over the place. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, Heaven, thank you for being on the show today. I'm sure that as people listen, that some seeds will be planted, some seeds will be watered. I'm sure someone's life will be impacted uh, by the things that you shared today. So again, thank you. Um, and congratulations. Thank your, you. Was that was that public news already? It was. You didn't okay, know. good, 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 good. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, congratulations on the new one. Thank you so much. Thank you. And um, that's it for today's show. Um, again, I hope you guys were blessed by everything that you heard. Make sure to follow Heaven Neal on social media. She gave you all her handles. Um, so reach out, give her all the love and support you can. And we'll see you guys next time. Peace.